in a world where every diet you know is wrong. Well, not every diet. I mean... Yes, but almost every doesn't sound as good. Yeah, but... Shut up. One man stands alone. Well, not completely. I mean... It's time for Adam Martin, the No Breakfast Guy. And let's talk fast. Fasting, fitness, and fat loss. What's going on guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy and I hope you're doing what you love with the people that you love and let's just jump straight into it. And it just occurred to me that you guys actually have to listen through two introductions because of course I have my pre-recorded one and then the one I do there every single so apologize if that gets a bit repetitive but you know everyone likes the starting the show you know you keep starting into one and away we go so... I don't know, that thought just came to mind, so I thought I'd just kind of uh, talk to that. But guys, I hope you're well. You're probably going to hear in the background my now almost five-month-old screaming and ranting and raving. She seemed to have got her voice uh, in the last week or so, and she wants to use it. So she is screaming away and talking and jibber-jabbering away. So if you hear her in the background, that's just my daughter jibber-jabbering away. So uh, guys, as I said, hope you're really well. I'm certainly feeling much, much better than when I was last bringing you a podcast. Uh, The drugs have seemed to have done their job. My lungs are clearing up, and I'm certainly feeling better. I'm not great, but I'm certainly much better. And I think with another kind of week or so, I'm just taking it easy, easing myself back into it all and into my running. Uh, I think I will uh, be on the mend. And that kind of brings me to, I guess, this week's topic. I know it's been quite run heavy of late, but a lot of people have been asking me because I was posting so much about this run every day challenge that I was doing. Um, There's just been a lot of things that have come to my mind to kind of answer people's questions. And as this podcast usually is, it's just basically answering people's questions in a kind of more detailed way. And so I think this will be of value again, whether you are a runner or not, or you're looking to get into running. Um, But as you've probably seen from the title, I'm going to list the five exercises that you must be doing or I would suggest that you should be doing if you want to become a stronger runner. Now I think far too often runners, I am guilty of this myself, kind of think to themselves well I'm running x amount of kilometers a week what's the point of doing any strengthening exercises for my legs because it's just going to make my legs sore then it's going to affect my running and then my running is going to suffer so no point in doing strengthening exercises. This couldn't be further from the truth. You must do strength exercises for your legs, for your whole body, but in particular your legs. And I think the five exercises that I'm going to run through today and detail for you would be where I would absolutely be putting your time, energy, and effort into. You can do them pretty much all as uh, body-weighted, non-weight Um, kind of bearing exercise, not non weight bearing, but kind of you don't need to add extra weight to them to get a benefit from them. Now, moving forward and kind of getting some progressions into them, I think it would be a wise idea that you do start progressing into a weighted version. But if you've never done any kind of real specific strength training and you like your running and you want to make your running better and you want to feel stronger as a runner, you want to feel more efficient as a runner and you really want to try and help your gait and your gait pattern uh, in your running, then this is where I would start. And so five exercises are going to make this super simple for you guys to get into. 
<coughs> excuse me, you will still hear me cough through this podcast. I do apologize, but my coughing is much better, so you shouldn't hear it as much. But guys, as I said, five exercises. Now, running basically is an activity that is spent the entire duration on one leg. Now, a lot of people don't make that connection. You just obviously you're using both legs. You don't make this connection that basically you spend your entire time on one leg or in the air. And so the exercises that I tend to choose and tend to prescribe to my clients who are coming to me, you know, I see triathletes, I see runners, I see trail runners, you know, road runners, all different kinds of running, and as I said, triathletes as well. And all of them, I get them to kind of do these exercises, and they are what we kind of call, you know, single-sided exercises, yeah? So yes, you can always do squats. Yes, you can always do kind of where exercises where you are getting two legs on the ground. There's absolutely going to be benefit to that. But I think you, if you are a runner, you should use your time wisely in the gym because you probably want to spend more time running. And this is where I'd be placing my energy and effort, as I said, into more single-sided based exercises. So to start with, absolutely, I think the number one exercise that you should be doing is single leg squats. Okay. Now, you can start very easy on this and you can progress this to a, a very difficult exercise. Starting super easy, whether you've got support through a railing, the back of a chair or a TRX, you would be doing supported single leg squats. Okay, so what we're trying to do is load up that single side, we're gonna really load up that quad, load up those glutes and then get you in a big the biggest range of motion that we can possibly get you in to the level that you're at. Now, if you don't have access to somewhere where you can hold on to and you can do it supported, doing this as a box single leg squat, whether that's again a chair or you're doing it onto a box or something that is underneath your bum that you can sit down onto, I would start by doing the eccentric phase or the lowering phase down to that box and then standing up on two legs. You're always gonna find it much more difficult to try and stand up out of a single leg squat. So starting off with just lowering yourself down to a box and then standing up on two legs is a great place to be. Uh, sorry, running itself is actually quite an eccentric type exercise. Now, we've spoken about this on pre in a previous podcast, what an eccentric and a concentric contraction is. But just to go over that again, an eccentric contraction is where the muscle is lengthening but still producing force, and a concentric contraction is where the muscle is shortening and producing force. Again, that example that I use is think about the bicep. When you're doing a bicep curl and bringing your hand up to your shoulder and curling that bicep, that's the concentric phase because the bicep is shortening and producing that force. Now, when it's lowering back down to straightening your arm out, that bicep is lengthening in um, its length. <laughs> it's extending in its length but it's still producing that force. That's what we call an eccentric so uh, contraction. So if you think about running, when your foot lands, there's a big eccentric contraction on the, on the lower limb as it jams all of that force and that, um, that leg is extending. But then when you then bring that leg under you and then take off from that leg, that's the concentric phase. But there is that big heavy load as you are landing every single time of eccentric load. And so you really want to make sure that you are training in an eccentric phase as well because you're going to be doing a lot of that when running. So you want to make sure your muscles are trained in that way as well. So starting with single leg squats, as I said, if you can do it as a supported exercise, TRX, a back of a bench or something like that, no need for anything underneath your bum, just making your way up and down in that action 
if you then want to do it as a box because you don't have support or you just want to add a different version of a single leg squat, lowering yourself down onto a box and then standing up on two legs. Now, of course, to make this more difficult, you can then do that lowering down to the box and standing up on a single leg, or you can start adding some weights. Now, whether that's just a single weight and you've got it as like a goblet kind of weight in front of you, or you're doing them by your side and you've got two dumbbells by your side as you sit down and stand up, completely up to you how you want to go. But the single leg squat is absolutely the first and foremost exercise that you should be doing. I'm not going to go into this ex- uh, into this uh, podcast today with regards to kind of sets and reps and things like that. I'm going to do a video of this and put this up on my Instagram page. If you're not following me on Instagram, it's at the no breakfast guy. Go and have a follow. That video will be up in the next week. I've just been far too unwell to uh, film that video, but I definitely will be able to film it this week and get it up. And I'll talk more about sets and reps on that one. But just to kind of keep it super simple, if you do three sets of 10 on every one of these exercises, <coughs> excuse me, that would be a good place to start. Now, there's different ways and different um, kind of ways to set up your sets and reps moving forward. But just to keep it super simple, three sets of 10. Obviously, a lot of these exercises are single-sided, so that would be 10 each side, three sets. That would be a good place to start. Now, moving on from the single leg squat, still in a single leg way, we're going to look at a single leg glute bridge raise. So that's you lying on the ground, feet on the ground, at 90 degrees at the knee. You're going to put one leg in the air, and then you're going to push your bum or your hips up and down. Okay, I'm sure all of you have been or seen you know, a Pilates class or some sort of um, you know core-based class where you're getting to raise that hip up and down. Most of these exercise guys, if you just go and type the name in that I've just called them, single leg glute bridge raise, do that in YouTube. You'll come up with a, a version of it there and you'll be able to see what exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm hoping my demo or my kind of explanation was able to tell you exactly what you're meant to be doing. Again, this one is a big one for the glutes. The glutes are huge. If you look at any sprinter uh, out there or any runner for that matter, but mostly sprinters because they're such an explosive sport when they're sprinting, huge butts, massive butts, whether they're blokes or whether they're females, big, big butts. Glutes are huge when it comes to running, but too many runners neglect them, and this is where they start to fail. The hip flexors then take over, the quads take over. This is not an efficient way or a strong way of running. They can do their job for a period of time, but if you want to be a good long distance, have good strength throughout that entire distance of your running and your gait pattern, you must start working your glutes. The glute bridge raise is a great place to start, especially in a single leg version. I cannot, cannot talk more highly about getting glute work done inside your workouts. Single leg glute bridge raise is exactly where you want to be. So we're going to be matching that with a single leg squat, into a single leg glute bridge raise, and then moving straight on to another one, which is huge, and we're gonna be talking about calf raises. Now, there's two calf muscles. Too many of us just think there's one, okay? The big party one, which all the bodybuilders and, you know, women in their their high heels wanna show them off, and (coughs) not many blokes tend to show them off. It's all about biceps and triceps, but the big one is the gastrocnemus. Now, if you look at someone who's just standing there, they're in a set of high heels or they're standing on their toes, you're gonna see that kind of bubble shape that you see in the calf. That's that external, almost superficial um, calf muscle. And just for, you know, you can call it the calf muscle, but 
The technical name is the gastrocnemius. Now, that there is a very important muscle for the takeoff phase when you are running. So when your foot strikes, that's gonna be the other part of the calf muscle that we're gonna talk about in a second. But as your foot then curls, comes up on the toes, and then that foot takes off, that gastrocnemius calf muscle is very important in that phase. So you wanna make sure you're working it. How do you work it? Very good that you asked. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna do calf raises. Now there's two different versions of calf raises we're gonna to do today. One's gonna to attack this particular muscle group that we're talking about now, and the other one's gonna attack the deeper calf muscle that is very important on the landing phase when you're running. So let's just talk about that takeoff phase. Takeoff phase, gastrocnemius. Basically, all you're gonna to need to do is stand up on the edge of a box, the edge of a step, something where just your toes, you know, at the ball of your foot is on, and your heel is then floating in the air, and you're gonna do single leg calf raises. So what that means is you're gonna just drop your calf down beyond, you know, below the step level, and then raise up on your toes. And you're just gonna do that over and over and over. Okay, again, three sets of 10 is what we're talking about. Single leg calf raises, <coughs> excuse me again, are very, very difficult when done correctly. I see too many people do these, but they're pricing, you know, pushing all their weight through their arms and they're basically basic, uh, doing this all through their arms. I want you to do, obviously you need to hang on because you need to be balanced, but there should be as little kind of grabbing on of the bar or anything that you need to. It should be there purely just as a balance aid, not for you to push down through. Now, if you can't do this as a single leg calf raise just yet, two ways to go about that again. You can come up and push up on two toes and then lower yourself down on one. Or for now, maybe you're just doing calf raises on two feet. So you're doing it on both feet rather than a single leg. Yes, you heard me say running is primarily a single leg exercise and I would be emphasizing just on single legs. But if you can't do it, then you need to progress to that. So start with the two legs, then start, then move to the maybe just the lowering phase of that. And then when you get to the single leg phase where you can go up and down just on the single leg, great, you've progressed all the way to then. Yes, you can certainly add weight to this, but until you can do this with perfect form and you're not pushing through your arms, do not try and start, um, start adding weight. This is not an ego-driven contest. This is not how much weight can I do. This is all about form and making sure that form is of highest quality possible, not worrying about, look, I can hold a 20 kilo plate on my other side. Put your ego at the door, forget about that. This is about form. So I've just spoken about single leg calf raise done on a straight leg, foot hanging off the edge of the step. That's gonna work that gastrocnemius muscle, the muscle that's on the surface that everyone gets to see. Now, there's a deeper calf muscle that is equally as important, but no one ever thinks about it, but it is so very important. And if you wanna become a good runner and a runner that is far less prone to injuries, then listen up now and get this exercise in your cycle of exercises that you're doing. And I can guarantee you, you will minimize the risk of injury. And if you have things like shin splints or issues with your feet and the arches and things like that, this exercise here will certainly go a long way to clear it up. I'm not gonna say that it's just gonna clear that up overnight and then you're never gonna have to worry about injuries again. Absolutely not. But this will go a long way to doing that for you. So the deeper calf muscle is called the soleus muscle, okay? So there's two layers. The deeper one, soleus, sits right up against the bones in the uh, lower, uh, lower part of the leg. 
and then the gastrocnemus is the one that sits on the outside. As you heard me say before, the gastrocnemus is, um, is involved in the takeoff phase when your foot is now leaving the ground and pushing off through your toes, okay? The soleus muscle, when you land, it's the braking force so your foot just doesn't flop and just completely um, crumple as it hits the ground. It's a really important muscle to stabilizing that area as your foot lands every time. Now, you may hear people say that you should never heel strike, you should only ever land on the forefoot. It doesn't matter where you're landing, this particular muscle is very important. So you must work it, because if you're not working it, it gets overworked when you're running. It can then lead to injuries such as shin splints and arch, arch issues and things like that. So make sure you're working the soleus muscle. I can hear you saying, cool, Adam, how do you do it? Great question. To work the soleus muscle, you must be in a bent knee, okay? So a couple of ways of doing this is you can do the exact same thing that we were just talking about before in having your toes on the edge of a step, on a box, whatever you might be doing, your foot hanging off, but this time instead of having a straight leg and just doing the movement through the ankle, you're now gonna bend your knee. Doesn't matter how much you're bending, but if you think about how your knee bends when you're running, you don't run with straight legs, kind of mimic that bend. So maybe you go and video yourself running and you can kind of see that bend in your knee, the most bend that you have. Go to that bend when you're doing this and repeat calf raises, but on a bent knee. That's probably the best way that we can attack this particular calf muscle is doing calf raises with a bent knee. Now, another way you can do this is seated, <coughs> excuse me, seated calf raises. So you would be sitting down. Now, there are machines out there where you would then put a weight across your uh, knees. You're underneath the machine, you load up the plates, and then you're seated and calf raising. It is effective. You will get to use that soleus muscle, but the best way still to do is, is a standing bent knee calf raise. But as I said, seated calf raises certainly will work this out as well. If you don't have access to a machine, another way you can do it, super simple, is you just lean on your knees. I'm now doing it now like this. I don't know if the voice has changed in the actual uh, mic there, but you're leaning on your knees as you're seated. So you're putting the pressure through your knees with your upper body, and you just lean on that as much as you want, and now raise up and down with your calves. So I'm now just moving my calves up and down as I'm seated in my... Uh, in my chair, leaning on my knees, and then raising my, trying to raise my knees via through the ankle joint by pushing up through there. Great way to work the soleus. The best way, as I said, is standing with a bent knee. Again, if you don't have a step or something you can do, you can do this on the ground. Just find yourself on the ground, bend your knee, and then raise your calf, lifting your heel up off the ground. Best way to work that soleus muscle You'll then know that you've attacked both parts of that calf muscle, so you will be efficient in both phases of the running, both when you're landing, the soleus muscle, and both when you're taking off, gastrocnemus muscle, the calf is then taken care of. It's the calf that's the end part of that chain. You know, everyone, you know, a lot of people complain when they're running and they're getting shin splints or they're getting archway issues. You know, in their arch, a lot of tension, a lot of pain through the arch underneath the bottom of their foot. It's rare that people talk about debilitating injuries in their hips or their, um, you know, their back or their glutes or things like that. Yes, those areas get tight or they get a bit kind of nigglesome, but they're never something that usually takes people out from running. 
what most people say is the shin splints they got were so excruciating, or their archway of their foot got so sore, that's where they had issues that had to stop them from running. So start working that area of the body. Calf muscle is super, super important. <coughs> so excuse me. So those two exercises are absolutely where you need to be. So let's just quickly run over the, them again. We had single leg squats. We then moved into single leg glute bridge raise. We've now just done calf raises. I gave you two versions, one with a straight leg, one with a bent knee. Next, we're moving on to Bulgarian lunges. Now, Bulgarian lunges, you may call them Bulgarian split squats, whatever you want to call them. Bulgarian lunges are an exercise where the back foot is elevated. Now, whether that back foot is elevated into a TRX, your foot's on the back of a bench, a couch, a step, doesn't matter again. As long as that back foot is elevated, the front foot is planted, you now just move up and down through that lunge, split squat, again, however you want to call it, and lowering that back knee towards the ground. The benefit and why I've suggested a Bulgarian lunge over every other lunge variation that is out there is yes, I just made mention to the fact that not many people complain of the hip area or the back or the glutes area being an issue to them stopping running, but a lot of people do complain of tightness, especially in their hip flexor. Usually that tightness is coming from an inability of the glutes doing their job. And so, as I said before, the hip flexor and the quads take over. So if you start working out your glutes via those two first exercises that I mentioned, this is going to become less of an issue, but you still might find that you are getting tight through that hip flexor. So you need to open that area up. You really need to stretch it. The Bulgarian lunge is perfect at opening up your hip flexor area <clears throat> while also giving you a good workout through that leg. So if you've done Bulgarian lunges before, you'll completely understand how these really load up that front leg. With that leg on the ground, you're going to get a really good quad contraction unit. As long as you're staying heavy through your heels, you're going to get a good contraction through your glutes as well. But the back leg is the one that's going to really open up through that hip. Really lean in on that stretch. Push through that stretch. Get a nice big stretch. Open up that hip flexor joint and it's gonna do wonders for you if you are tight in that area from your running. If you wanna emphasize that stretch even further, put both of your hands above your head as you do that lunge. You can then go even further and lean away from the side of the leg that's back. You're just gonna get further and further and further into a stretch on that hip flexor. So really, really important exercise for not only strengthening, but stretching you in a in a meaningful way that's gonna help with your running. So Bulgarian lunges, get them into your um, workout routine. A very easy exercise to progress on. You can use dumbbells, you can use kettlebells, <coughs> excuse me, or you can elevate the leg further to get a further stretch in it all. However you wanna progress through it, get Bulgarian lunges into your routine. Now the last one is probably the most technical of the exercises, and a lot of people do this really badly. But if done correctly, a really useful exercise for balance and efficiency in your gait and hip hinge movement. Now, why do I talk about hip hinge when we're running? If you look at a runner, the hips are really important. Now, if you look at a really efficient runner, hips are normally really locked in. They're very solid. The, the, the runner moves around those hips. The hips aren't hindering them in any way. You know, if you look at it, 
uh, say, a weekend runner that's just out there kind of just plodding along. Hips are moving all over the place. There's nothing, you know, really locked in about them. The single leg arabesque is a great way to help you start getting a better understanding of where your hips are and getting a function to those hips to really lock in to keep you as a strong, upright runner. And that's the most important. Like, if you talk to any marathon runner or long distance runner, they'll talk about kind of their form being the issue as they start getting fatigued. You know, you feel really efficient, you're running really well in the first half of the race, but as you start to fatigue out, that's where your efficiency goes out, your stride pattern goes out, it then causes you to use more energy, then become more fatigued, um, and that's a snowball effect in, the, in, in a negative way of your pattern getting worse, you using more energy, which then makes your pattern even worse, and it just kind of rolls on that way. If you can keep as strong and as locked in and as tall and strong through your form as long as you possibly can, you're going to run efficiently and use as little as energy as possibly can. So the single leg arabesque is very much like a deadlift, but it's on a single leg exercise obviously as well. And you're going to basically, from the hips, a single leg, you're going to send a leg out the back. And this is one I would definitely go and make sure that you are looking up on YouTube or something to make sure you get a good uh, idea of what this looks like. I hope I'll um, try and describe it here as best as I can. But you're going to tip forward from the hips, okay? On one leg, one leg's going to go out the back. Your hands, <coughs> excuse me, your hands can be anywhere they like to help you with balance to begin with. Now, you can add weight to this. You can put the hands out in front. But to begin with, just put your hands wherever they need to go to help keep you balanced. The big key kind of... Um, point here that I want to make to make sure that you're doing this correctly is do not let your hips rotate, okay? What's mostly going to happen for people with their first try or first 10 tries on this, as you tip forward from your hips and your leg goes out and you start moving forward with your upper body, what your, the hip that's, or sorry, I should say, the leg that's not on the ground, the one that goes out the back, that hip is going to tend to rotate up you do not want to rotate. You want to stay as flat to the ground as you possibly can with your hips and with your upper body, okay? And this is what's going to teach you. We call it proprioception. It's your your ability to know where your body is in kind of space with your eyes closed. You know, if you want to kind of get a good understanding of what proprioception is, this is what you see them kind of test on those cop shows, on the highway patrol shows when someone's drunk. You know, if they're doing a sobriety test, they say, Excuse me, sir or madam, I need you to close your eyes, tap your nose. You know, how does your body just know where your nose is when you've got your eyes closed? You've probably never even thought about it. But there's an internal system that's going on that when you close your eyes and you go, okay, where's my nose? You know exactly where your nose is. When you are under the influence of drugs or alcohol or whatever it might be, you lose that ability. And that's when you start seeing people poke themselves in their eyes. But also when they get them to walk in a straight line, whether that's walking in a straight line with their eyes closed or hands across their chest or something. It's that proprioception that is being shot because of the influence of the alcohol that they're under. So proprioception is something just like anything that can be trained. So something like a single leg arabesque and understanding where your hips are and being able to keep them corrected, flat to the ground, not rotating off their axis of that flat, um, kind of, uh, is it horizontal to the ground that I'm looking at? <coughs> that's what we want to teach and that's where we want to keep you at. So then when you're out running 
it's not something that you want to have to think about and kind of use extra energy and sit there and go, okay, I'm running, are my hips nice and straight? Yes, my hips are nice and straight, my foot's underneath. This is all just wasted energy. You don't want to waste energy thinking about where your body is in space. So if you can teach it, your body then learns it, and then it's just doing it on repetition on its own, you're gonna become a much more efficient runner. Now, there's some definite and some strength benefits um, to doing a single leg arabesque. It's definitely a big glute exercise. It's great for the hips, lower back, the hamstrings, really good one for the hamstrings as well. So yes, there's a benefit to it on the strengthening side of things. And when we start adding weight to that, whether you put some kettlebells in your hands or some dumbbells, or you do it with a barbell, whatever you might be doing to progress this uh, exercise as you get better and you can hold that form, no problems with putting that extra weight in your hands. But something that you really want to make sure that your form is absolutely dialed in before you move forward to trying to progress this as a weighted exercise. Again, put your ego at the door. This is not a competition on how heavy you can go that you can say, did 85 kilos on my single leg arabesque today. Shut up. No one cares. Put it away. Worry about form and stop worrying about what other people might be thinking you're lifting, yeah? Form is most important here. But as I said, if form's down well, you're really feeling confident with this, you can absolutely start to add weight and you are going to strengthen those hips, glutes, hamstrings, all of those areas with this exercise. But this one is a really big one for that proprioception and understanding where your hips are so you become a much more stable, upright and efficient runner. For yes, even if you're a 5K runner, but especially for those people that then start doing longer and longer distances, so they be they remain a very efficient runner throughout their entire journey. So they're the five exercises that I would be saying that you should be making an effort to bring into your training. How often? A couple of times a week. This is not something you have to do every single day. You know, for most people that would come to me and I'm prescribing them, um, you know, some sort of uh, workout regime if they're a triathlete or if they're a runner, how do we get them stronger? I'd say two times a week to three times a week. Include this in your running. You would probably do this on days where you are doing some shorter distance kind of speed work. I wouldn't do this on your longer runs because it's going to be quite taxing to do this after. Now, strength training should always be done after your run. Personally, that's my opinion. If running is your is your focus, you don't want to kind of do these strengthening exercises, then go out and do your run, but your run is hindered because you're so cooked from doing your strength training. Yes, strength training is important, but if running is your focus point, do it after your run. You're going to have, let's just say you've done eight 1K efforts. You're going to be pretty cooked. It's going to be pretty taxing to then step in and do this strength workout, but you are going to get some more benefit out of doing that strength training, then if you're going to try and do it the other way around, do strength training and then try and be at your best doing those eight kind eight 1K efforts. So definitely put it at the end of a run session if you're doing it on the same day. If you're doing three or four runs a week, then you can fit this in and around on those off days. Um, completely would be fine and in fact would work better, but it's completely up to you how you work that in. But two to three times a week would certainly be plenty enough. And let's just kind of, to wrap it all up, we've been here for 30 minutes, so I appreciate you guys hanging around. The five exercises, we had single leg squats into single leg glute bridge raise into single leg calf raise. Now we had the two, one with a straight leg, one with a bent knee. We then had Bulgarian lunges and finally into single leg arabesque. If you include those five exercises, you'll become a stronger runner, you'll become a faster runner, you'll become a more efficient runner, you'll become a better runner, 
and you'll be a runner that is far less prone to injury. You won't feel those effects of shin splints, archway issues, hip tightness, glute pain, lower back pain. If you want these, then start putting that time and energy and effort into some strength-based exercises, and I promise you, your running will improve out of sight. I know it sounds counterintuitive. You're sitting there going, Adam, no, if I want to become a better runner, I just got to run more. Yes, there is, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Yes, there is kind of cause to saying that. If you want to become, I just said it not too long ago and kind of, you know, what did I learn on my 100 days of running? I became a runner, better runner because I was certainly running more. But if you want to kind of put the cherry on the top and really make you stand out and see your running take leaps and bounds, start adding in some strength training, these five exercises where I'd be starting at. So I really, again, hope this podcast today was of benefit to you all. There's been lots of questions coming in around running. So it's why I'm probably on this emphasis of running on pod, on my podcast at the moment. So yes, I hope it was of benefit to you. Um, I did put out a question box not long ago about you know more topics that you might want to hear. If you're listening to this, guys, and you want to hear a particular topic, you want to hear me talk to something, or you want me to get a particular guest on, whatever it might be, send me a DM, send me an email. All my information is in the bottom of this email. I'm more than happy to take requests, and I'm more than happy to kind of see if I can answer <coughs> excuse me, some questions in a future podcast. So, guys, as always, if you love this podcast, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Go and give me a five-star rating, a quick little review. It would mean the world to me. Thousands of you listen to this podcast every week. There's certainly not thousands of reviews. So come on, get off your butt, spend the 30 seconds, just go and give me a quick review and a five-star rating. It would mean the world to me. It would mean that more people get to hear my podcast, more people might be able to benefit from it. So guys, I love you as always. I hope you're well, hope you're safe, hope you're sound, hope everyone in your life is healthy and well. And I will be back next week with another episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. Thank you very much for your time. I'll see you next time. Ciao.